This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 385 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show on Horse Radio Network, racing into 2016. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Bed in a Box and Stud Muffins. Intern Haley fills in for Helena as we get a training tip from Ellie in New Zealand. We hear all about the Thoroughbred Barrel Racing Association. Yep, you heard that right. Thoroughbred Barrel Racing. And we take a look at the very high-tech halter in the Tack and Habit segment. Listen in. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the Stable, it's every week. We'll bring you the news through hail or high water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop Cause it's time again for Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop This is Glenda Geek And this is Haley Johnson And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show On the Horse Radio Network Well, Happy New Year, everybody It's so good to be back here on Stable Scoop Helena is off this week She actually had a doctor's appointment So she'll be back next week And you know what? When You they, you have to go when the doctor wants you There's no choices anymore So she uh, was sorry she couldn't be here In this first episode She really wanted to be But we have with us Haley Our first beta intern here At the Horse Radio Network Hi, Haley Woo, thank you. It's Glad good, to be back. It's good to have you here. Now, you start. You started as our first intern. We put out a call three or four months ago, and you're kind of our beta. We were testing the whole what we wanted to do with an intern <laughs> with Haley. Pig. Yeah, she's our guinea pig. <laughs> and she's done so well that I asked her to fill in for Helena today and to do her first co-hosting job. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, glad to be here. Now, Haley, what have you done so far as an intern? Uh, I did an episode producing back in, I think, October uh, with one of our jump jockeys that we talked to. And then I helped out. Uh Oh, oh, by the way, it's been our most downloaded. It it was our most downloaded episode last year was that episode you produced and you booked that guest and that guest got us the most downloads we had all year. Oh, you're making me blush. He's really cool. I was really glad that he came on. He's hilarious. Um, And then I also helped out with the first ever horse radiothon. And I... I mostly was kind of the operator behind the scenes, just and, helping Jennifer out. And that wasn't easy on Radiothon Day, was it? It was fun. Oh, uh, I, I thought it was fun. I mean, those lines were hopping. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you had the hard part. The producer really, though, did. Uh, I know you and Jennifer were hopping all day long, and there was a lot going on behind the scenes for that twelve hours too. Yeah, kind of a smorgasbord of uh, phone calls and taking calls and things. So you helped out in the last hour, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Just a little bit. Yeah. Did you get to talk to Boyd off air? Boyd no, no, I really wanted to, but <laughs> something got messed up with the lines. Uh, so, they w- you know, next time, another time, I'll talk to him. <laughs> I know you were kind of looking forward to that. Do I get to call Boyd? Yeah, but you know what? I got to talk to Jimmy Schramm, and I think she's really awesome, too. Yeah, so. she is. Yep. It was a fun day, and thank you so much for helping out with that. We really appreciate it, too. Tell everybody that has not heard you on the air before a little about yourself. Where are you from? 
Um, I'm in Logan, Utah, so that's very northern Utah, just kind of close to the border of Idaho and Utah. Um, and oh, by the way, everybody, she posted pictures of her riding in the snow the other day. It looked yes. like a whole lot of snow the other it day. It was a winter wonderland, that is for sure. Um, I've got, uh, gosh, I think she's five now. You know, now that it's the new year, she's a five-year-old thoroughbred mare. And she's kind of been my off first the track? project. No, she's not. Yep. You know, she was kind of thrown into the, a sale with a dressage horse going to a, a very wealthy lady. And I don't know, she wasn't the prime material. I, I'm not sure. But anyway, she got her face kicked in. And so she wasn't Oops. as pretty. <laughs> And so she needed a home, and so I, she ended up falling into my hands, and now I'm training her to be an eventer, and she loves it. She loves it, loves it. Well, you so. know what? It doesn't matter what she looks like to be an eventer. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. You know, she's, she's grown out of it. It's funny how when you get them when they're three, they just look like little scragamuffins, yes, but they do. now she looks like a horse. So, <laughs> yeah. Was that the one you were riding in the snow? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Pretty yeah. horse. Yep. Thank you. And she she apparently is a real trooper too. Oh my gosh. I can she could be a police horse if she wanted to be. Well, that's uh, what I, you want for an adventure, right? You want that yeah. temperament. So. She'll go and she's got a pretty cool mind. Um but she loves cross country. She'll go run and gallop and run through hills and she's awesome. How about I'm lucky. You know, she's learning to like dressage. She's learning to appreciate it. Oh, you mean it's, like the rest of us? <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> Gosh, you know, she'll go gallop cross country, but getting an extended trot is like, oh, <laughs> really? We're not going anywhere. We're in just in this ring. And how's the stadium? Stadium's good. She'll jump anything. So We're still working up? on the finesse. So, oh, yeah. so occasionally <laughs> we uh, we top one, huh? You know, she clears it every time. It just it's usually like we have a great rhythm, and then two strides out, it's like, oh my gosh, we got to jump. <laughs> Anything over two six, but I feel like that's pretty typical for, you know, just for with a year. And everything yeah, kind of yeah. So. Well, that's terrific. Well, what's her yeah. name? Her name is Tango. Tango. Uh, uh huh. And uh, her show name is Niner Five One Tango. I oh, I named funny. her after my grand my great grandfather flew airplanes, and that was his airplane call sign was Niner Five One Tango. And oh, how cool is that? Yeah, so that's kind of my tribute to him. And um, people tease me though because she's kind of a Barbie doll. So, you know, I had one dressage trainer tell me she doesn't look like a nine or five one tango. She looks like butterfly. <laughs> that's <laughs> just, not an event just horse what name. You want to hear, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, we're working on looking tough, I suppose. <laughs> Well, good job. We're, uh, I, good luck with her. I'm sure you're going to have a lot of fun. Are there a lot of events up there in northern Utah? You know, eventing in in the west side is different than back east. And um, it's quaint, you know, and it's fun. And there's a lot of travel in between. There's two recognized events up here in Utah now. And then a couple of big schooling shows that are kind of like halfway between schooling and halfway recognized. So, you know, enough to keep you busy throughout the year. If you're in it for fun, <laughs> you also hit, hit some jump, little jumper shows and uh, yeah. shows then too. Yeah, there's yeah. a collection of jumper shows going around. Um, there's, I think, there's quite the hunter jumper population in Salt Lake, which is a couple hours south of me. And um, there's a there's a big following of dressage out here, actually. 
um, a lot of dressage in Idaho, a lot of dressage in Utah, and I'm getting really involved with that too. I'd like to get my uh, USDF instructor certification too. So working towards that. And you're also in college? Yes, I'm an equine major at Utah State University. And how many um, more years do you have to hang around there? This is my last semester. I have seriously oh, one one class. <laughs> really? One class this semester? Just you're done? Done. I'm Yay! done. So close. Isn't it, are you ready to be done? I'm ready to be done. It's been <laughs> fun, but I want to go do things now. So, <laughs> What do you want to do? Uh, you know, along with getting an instructor certification, um, I kind of have this lofty goal of someday being a TD. Uh, and people call me crazy, but I really like organizing things and I really like bossing people around. <laughs> Which um, is why before we started the show, everybody, her husband was doing the dishes. <laughs> He volunteered. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I've organized quite a few little horse shows and clinics up here, more so clinics than shows, but um, I'm working with Utah State's extension program to get some English things happening up here because it's kind of Western land up here, which is fine. But, you know, English is where it's at. Let's be honest. (laughs) Just kidding. I like all, all the disciplines, but yeah. So that's that's kind of me. Before we get to our first guest, I a little housekeeping here. I uh, wanted to mention that when Helena comes back next week, we have an announcement for everybody about the Stable Scoop show in 2016. Uh, there's uh, we we think it's an exciting announcement and that you're going to really enjoy it. Uh, it we. Uh, that's all I'm going to say right now because I end up talking too much. But uh, so there's a big announcement. It's, a, it's about it, the show's not going anywhere. Uh, Helena's not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. It's about the format of the show. So that's we'll, we'll make that announcement. I already told Haley, and you were very excited about it, weren't it's you? It's good. Yeah, yeah right. it's good. And it's something that I don't know that has ever been done on a podcast anywhere before, actually. Gosh, um, starting the new year is exciting. You get all these surprises and you're right. telling people there's <laughs> big things coming, but they have to wait to the next episode. <laughs> well, we were going to announce it this week, but then Helena had to go. So we, we couldn't announce it this week, but it'll be next week and you'll hear all about it. I don't want to take Helena's thunder away either. <laughs> Well, our first guest today has been on the show before. Her name is Ellie O'Brien. You'll remember her because she is a natural horse trainer out of New Zealand with uh, Finesse Equestrian Training. Ellie was here in the United States. If you're new to the show, she was here in the United States for a year, and I got to meet her at Road to the Horse, and uh, we really hit it off. And I said, you got to come on the show. And she's been coming on the show doing training tips with us ever since, even after she moved back to New Zealand. Uh, you also remember listeners to the show will remember she is the one that broke her back uh, falling yeah. off a horse and ended up in traction and uh, in recovery. She's, st- she's starting to work with horses again, but she isn't riding yet. So she'll be riding soon. Uh, I hope we'll ask her about that. But this is Ellie O'Brien for Finesse Equestrian Training with our training tip of the month. Well, hi, Ellie. Welcome back to the show. Hello, thank you for having me back. It's been a while. I know. Well, Happy New Year to everybody down there in New Zealand and Australia. Yeah, and same to you guys. Well, Ellie, we have to ask you a couple things. First of all, how's your back doing? I'm doing really well. I, um, I'm back up and moving around and running and, well, not quite running, but um, <laughs> I'm moving at least. I feel like I could ride a horse, but I have to be very well behaved and stay on the ground for now. 
So are you able to ride or when will you be able to ride? Yeah, I have to, uh, I've got surgery again in May to get all the hardware out of my back. So I'm meant to stay off until then. I've sat on a horse twice because I was having dreams about holding reins. <laughs> but um, it's best, it's it's kind of not the act of riding itself, but it would be if I fell off, then I would be in big trouble. Do they just cut your back open and have a big magnet? Is that what they do? And then just... <laughs> You pull everything out. Yes. <laughs> some great visions. <laughs> no, I think they um, unscrew bits and pieces and <laughs> carefully dissect it. Oh, so is are, is that going to have a recovery time too, that surgery, or is that a little easier? Um, it's meant to be easier, and I'm kind of wishful thinking. I'm like, two weeks would be nice, and then I could be riding again. <laughs> but um, I'm not too sure, really. I guess I'll have to, I need to have a chat with my surgeon. Well, by the way, congratulations for actually listening to your doctors and not, you know, not being like most of the horse people we know who would hop on anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's hard. <laughs> now, is how long has it been since? Uh... Oh, um, it happened in May. So yeah, we're coming up on a year in May. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's pretty good. You were eight months, and you know, when you first had that fall, we weren't sure you were going to walk again. So, you know, everything is uh-huh. uh, doing well that way. So, good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very thankful for that. How yeah. long after? Sorry, Glenn. Yeah, how long after this new surgery will you be able to be up and walking and moving around? And well, it was quite interesting because when I actually after I had the accident and I had the fall, we had to wait about a week until I had surgery, and at that point we didn't know if I would walk again. Um, but the surgery was successful. So well, they had me up on my feet within um, a day, I think. And wow. oh, it was so painful. But uh, So I guess it will be the same, same thing at this time. Well, now I heard also that you're going to be doing something exciting here in the next uh, couple of days. What are you doing? Tell everybody mm-hmm. about it. They're all going to be jealous. <laughs> well, I had this crazy, I've had to come up with crazy ideas to keep me excited while I'm not riding horses, but um, I decided that at the month of January, I wanted to do a bit of a, a road trip around some of New Zealand and put on some, I call them pay what you want clinics, um, so that it opens it up to everyone and anybody and they can pay what they can afford and come along and learn. So we're starting off, we actually leave today and head down for um, the Buck Brenneman Clinic, which will be amazing. Um, and then from there, we kind of carry on around the country and we're just kind of stopping off. At, we're doing holding a few uh, clinics and I'm going to a few stud farms. I'm really excited about I'm going to an Icelandic pony stud farm, which will be cool. Oh, cool. So, yeah, I'm very excited. That's and a we're long just- way from home for the Icelandic ponies, I'm just saying. Um. <laughs> it is a little way, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yes. <laughs> and the odd thing is, is um, that the stud farm is in a really warm area of New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> they they keep their clippers handy, I hope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, Buck Brandeman. So, what are you going to? Are you auditing that clinic? Yeah, just auditing. Um, so that will be neat. I've kind of chased him around the world, watching <laughs> watching his clinic. So, are you a I'm buck stalker? Not- um, I could, I guess, I, I guess so. <laughs> Just admit it, live up to it, own it, Ellie. Yes, I stalk Buck Brannerman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I may or may not have cried after meeting him for the first time. 
his clinics as cool as the movie portrays them to be? What was it? Sorry. Are his clinics as cool as the movie portrays them to be? Mm. Yeah, yeah, they're really neat. And I love love, uh, being able to watch all the different sorts of people and their different stages and just, you know, seeing where they're at and and the things that they're doing that are making big differences and things that are not working so well and they need to, you know, figure out in their journey. So, yeah, I love them. Very cool. Well, mm-hmm. now let's get on with our training tip of the week. What are we talking about? Um, so today I wanted to talk a little bit about the use of the dressage training scale and as using it as a framework for our groundwork. So um, I've been working a bit on this lately, putting together, I guess, especially for because I compete in dressage and um, have a background in show jumping. And I wanted to create something that I guess um, – a lot of my friends and clients could understand from what they knew in the written side of things with the dressage training scale. Um, so shall I just kind of go through the different levels, Glenn? Sure. And cool. Haley, know, or Haley knows a little bit about this too. She's an eventer, so she has to force herself to do dressage. <laughs> I actually like dressage. <laughs> I have to force my horse to do dressage. dressage there he goes. The difference. <laughs> he's, he's more of a jumper. Yeah, she's more of a jumper. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool um so well to get started I just guess going through from the from the beginning we first of all we have our rhythm and um I kind of like to think of this on the ground as well we all know it's getting just getting them going forward so I use like a whole bunch of exercises on the ground first of all to just get them going forward nicely and then, of course, then we move through into the relaxation and um, we get that through um, asking for suppleness and creating that softness. And once I've sort of worked on that, then I start with the connection. And um, in the dressage training scale and the ridden side of things, that's generally between your hands and the horse's mouth through the reins. But I'm such a big believer that, yes, we want to have that, but we also want to have their mind connected to their feet as well so that we get all of the parts coming together. As you've probably seen sometimes when people pick up on a rein to have their horse turn somewhere and you can see the horse like looking to the other side and then they get that shoulder that drifts out to the outside. (laughs) Been there. (laughs) Yeah, that's not a nice feeling when you want to go around the corner. (laughs) Nope. <laughs> so from there, following through, we will start working on the impulsion. And now some people get caught up in this and think that um, that can be about speed and a physical, physical aspect, which of course it is to a certain extent, um, the physical side of things. But I like to think of it as that it's energy that comes from the mind because we want the horse to be calm and relaxed, but still have that power to go forward as well. And after that, we work on some straightness. Uh, and we don't do that by trying to force the horse to be straight. We get the straightness happening from doing lots of all of the previous stages. So lots of the horse has to be going forward. It has to be soft and it has to be supple and be able to bend and have its mind Uh, connected to its feet like I was saying before and then we find that the straightness just comes through and then moving up to our final stage in the um, training scale which is collection 
which comes from the horse being mentally balanced and responsive, but um, calm and relaxed at the same time. So using a whole heap of um, exercises on the ground to get all of these things happening. And once we have them happening on the ground, then of course it makes it so much easier when we take it through into the saddle because the horse is already understanding those cues and what, what's being asked of it. So I, I have a question. Um, I actually mm. went to a recent instructor certification workshop stuff where we talked a lot about this sort of thing. And a big part of, I think, I is identifying where is your horse on this scale currently? How mm. do you find where to start? You know, where is your horse on this scale? Yeah, so generally what I'll do is I will... Uh, if I have a horse come to me um, or if the owner is working with it, I'll kind of have a look and just um, assess where, like what sort of things the horse is doing nicely and what sort of things uh, it's not doing so nicely. And I like to use a little problem-solving pattern where we ask, generally it's five whys, but sometimes you don't need to get to that point. But say if the horse was having... Um, some trouble with straightness I might say well why is he not straight perhaps because he lacks impulsion um and he lacks the willingness to move forward so mm-hmm. then I would probably then I would backtrack it and say well why is he lacking this because there's no connection between the mind and the feet mm-hmm. why is there no connection there because he's tense through his body and he's distracted So then that kind of leads me to believe that, well, I need to work on a whole heap of relaxing exercises to build trust and to get him moving softly through his body. And most of us know that that comes from doing a lot of lateral work, getting the hindquarters moving and the ribs moving and the shoulders and the neck and the pole and the jaw. Right. The (laughs) whole picture. Yeah, that's right. So it's always just backtracking and going through. And I think that's the beautiful thing about having the scale is that we can, we've got a stepping stone process on the way in. So if we come up against something, we've got steps on the way back out to figure out where the problem is. I have a couple questions to go with that. Do you find, and I know I'm guilty of this, I'm hoping Mm -hmm. others are too. Do you find that people may have skipped a step and they're working on straightness, but maybe they're having a hard time because they're lacking, you know, the connection or the impulsion and, um, do you find that people are so far ahead and they have these high expectations and you have to say, this is great where you're at, but you've missed this foundation step and you need to go back? Or do you find that um, people get so far with their horses training, um, but then sometimes they need to go back and readdress something lower down on the scale? Mm, definitely. I think that we're, we're definitely, you're not alone there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I think it's almost, it's just a part of training. Um, it's okay to go um, further ahead because we're progressing, but it's being aware of, you know, sometimes sometimes people you hear people say, oh, just ride them through it. But right. Eventually I say that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> keep going. But, but, yeah, yeah, keep in some going. cases, they're going to die if they don't. So <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I would probably agree with you if you're coming <laughs> to a big jump. <laughs> Right them through it. The option's not good. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yep. But when you're training at home, I would say, especially on the ground and with your um, flat work or groundwork backtrack and 
Um, and like I said before, take that stepping stone process on the way out to figure out what what's going on. But yeah, we're definitely all guilty of doing that at some point. And um, yeah, I loved, uh, actually recently I was listening to a great tutorial by Gareth Hughes, who trained under Carl Hester for eight years, I think. And he was teaching on the half pass and he was teaching all the stepping stones in and he said all of us are going to come up against something at some point but if you do well when you do you know what to go back to to fix it to then go forward again so you're talking quite a bit about you know lateral work and half passes is there a certain stage where you start to teach those half passes like once you get to impulsion do you start that or do you just sort of work on those things progressively along with the whole scale with your other walk trot canter work. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. So the I start the very foundations of doing our lateral work from the very first time I work with a horse, teaching them how to yield their hindquarters, how to move their shoulders over, how to have lateral flexion so that at, when I get to the point of asking for it under saddle, then it just comes easily and I'm not trying to teach right. a, the whole picture at once. I've been slowly teaching the ABCs, I guess, so I can write a story one day. <laughs> right. Cool stuff. Good Makes stuff. Sense. <laughs> well, thank you once again for joining us. We really appreciate it. Always like getting caught up with you. And if, if people want to follow you on Facebook or website, where do they go? Mm, um, so they can go to Finesse Equestrian Training on Facebook or on my website is allieobrien.co.nz. And that is also, that's NZ for people in the United States. Um, <laughs> sorry, Ellie. Uh, <laughs> so, so now if the, is your clinic schedule on there too? Um, it isn't right now. I've just been putting it together, but it will be, it will be within the next couple of weeks. Okay, great. Well, Ellie, mm. I hope you'll come back. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All back right. to America? No, well, come back, back on the online. show. And, and back to America both. So, <laughs> I would love hope your recovery both. is speedy. Yes, exactly. We hope you come back from that too. So. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks, Ellie. <laughs> Well, before we get to our next guest, I have to ask you, did you get the Horse Radio Network branded stud muffins we sent you, Haley? I did. They're so cute. I wanted to take a picture and send it to you guys. Um, and my horse loved them. Yeah, they well, were I can't, We haven't found a horse yet that doesn't like a stud muffin. So. And she's picky. <laughs> oh, she's picky. It's like I, crack for horses. Uh, yeah. It really is. But they, they are actually, I'll put in a plug for that. We, we actually got these. They will make now, and it's like an icing on top of the stud muffin. They will take your farm logo or your association logo or whatever, and they'll put them right on the stud muffin. So we got a whole entire case of them, and we sent them out to the hosts and interns. I was uh, trying to figure out how, you, how they did that. I, I don't know exactly how they do it because, you know, that is really a small operation. It, they do right. a lot of the cooking themselves. And, well, and it's not like they took a little squeezy thing and, you know, no. squeeze it on themselves it looks like it's printed it was like how do you print with icing i don't know it was amazing it, it looked great and thank you so much for stud muffins for doing that but they are a terrific treat if you see them at your local tax shop or your feed store truly there is not a horse in the world that won't eat a stud muffin it is like crack for horses uh they love those things my pony will run me over for that so uh we have to be careful actually when we give them 
Stud Muffins because he's a sugaraholic and he likes anything sweet. So, uh, but Stud Muffins are great. Thank you so much for to them for uh, providing uh, those this year and for doing the custom ones. You can get custom ones too. You just contact them and they'll do them for your organization as well. Well, our next guest, you want to introduce her and uh, we'll bring her in. Yeah. Our next guest is Laura Weinkeck. Uh, Weinsek, I'm sorry, Laura, if I butchered that. Uh, <laughs> president and founder of the Thoroughbred Barrel Racing Association. Hi, Laura. Hi, how are you? And it is actually Laura Winsick. Winsick, I butchered that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, how are you doing? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Did you grow up horse crazy? Did you come to the horse thing as an adult? No, actually, I grew up on, I actually learned on mules. My dad had coon hunting mules, so when I was about five or six years old, I used to climb on them and ride them up and down the pasture and then slowly got into the the ponies and the crazy barrel horses. And in 2013, I was introduced to the thoroughbreds. Oh, and you figured out that thoroughbreds are the ultimate sport horse, huh? Oh, I tell you what, I, you know, when I did this in 2013 and participated in an event uh, that was called the Extreme Extreme Retired uh, Racehorse Makeover that was in Ohio, and it was a barrel race, and you had 100 days to take a thoroughbred and turn it into a barrel horse, and my girlfriend had, you know, she'd told me, oh, you should apply, so I applied for it and kind of thought everybody was nuts, went down to Kentucky, looked at one horse and ended up, uh, Spade chose me. She grabbed a hold of my jacket with her teeth and her ears pinned back. And I thought, oh, if I'm going to do <laughs> it, I'm like going to make this a challenge. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and that's the thing. I'm like, I'm going to make this a challenge because everybody said they're crazy and I'm crazy. So I'm going to make this work. And and now she actually does riding lessons for me. And she's a, she's a big uh, sponsor for Retired Racehorse Project. Uh, what we do is we go to different events and everything and say, okay, you know, this, this is a thoroughbred and she shows the barrel racing and, and she's been, uh, all three years with retired racehorse project. And, uh, and, um, we were talking earlier about that with Stuart Pittman and I had the opportunity to be the first barrel racing person to be on the track in Baltimore with a couple other, uh, people, contestants that were in it wow. in 2013 and, and at the end of 2013, we said, you know, there isn't anything for the thoroughbreds for barrel racing. And I talked to so many people that said, you know, I have a barrel horse and he's a thoroughbred across the United States. And I said, well, let's try it. So we founded the Thoroughbred Barrel Racing Association, myself and some of the other contestants from 2013 that were barrel racers. And, and it's kind of just taken off from there. So coming, I do not know very much about barrel racing. In In the past, was it? Is there a certain level where you could only compete on quarter horses, and so you needed to make the thoroughbred? No. I, I explain that to me a little bit. <laughs> well, no, no, not really. And actually, the horse that I competed on, and uh, I had shown at the Josie Junior World Championship, Quarterama back in the day, Quarter Horse Congress. I, you know, I had ridden a quarter horse that actually had thoroughbred in him, so mm-hmm. he was a big guy, and everybody said, you know, that he couldn't turn barrels because he was tall and thin, and, and you, you know, said, watch turned this. the barrels different. <laughs> yeah, watch this. So, <laughs> so it was a nice challenge to to get into the thoroughbreds and do it. And we've got quite a few that are, you know, that aren't the sixteen hand horses that are smaller ones, and and uh, like mine, <laughs> we also have. Yeah, I mean, so I think it was just it was kind of like. Uh, Dale Simonton that, that actually is in Retired Racehorse Project also that does the thoroughbreds and does the cutting horses. Uh, you know, it was one of those things, or the ranch horses, I should say. Nobody 
thought to do it or or it was just something that nobody did and and now branching out into it these guys can do anything i mean these horses these horses can do anything you put their mind to and you know we were we were talking earlier about them being um kind of high strung i have a a thoroughbred here now that i use for riding lessons for my younger kids heck we've had a three-year-old on him and it takes everything you can get to get the guy to canter. I mean, he just really <laughs> leveled out and really calmed down, and, and he's he's kind of like the old plug horse in the barn. That's kind of the personality that mine has, kind of that sleepy, like, uh, you know, and you know, until I get her out on a track or something. But, um, man, when they know their job, they, they go for it, huh? Um, oh, yeah. Find, I, I mean, he, you've barrel raced on, on quarter horses and thoroughbreds. It sounds like you're kind of partial to the thoroughbreds. I mean, is there... Do you find there's reasons that maybe a thoroughbred might excel at that? Well, it, it's the thing I like about the thoroughbreds is when you get on a thoroughbred, a thoroughbred has been ridden, and, and we talked about this uh, here at the barn. I'm actually on one now, and we're riding in the arena. Um, we found that they've been ridden. You know, these horses have been ridden five, six, seven days a week, and and they've they've had a horse, they've had somebody on them. But they haven't had somebody where we talk about, you know, Haley with, with the leg contact and stuff like that. They, they've had a jockey on them. So they've had somebody up over their withers, but not really on their sides. So the nice thing is you get a horse that's been ridden a lot, but that's got, you know, a nice soft uh, virgin side, per se, that, that hasn't had somebody spurring the heck out of them or, or trying to train on them and, and deaden that side. You've got a nice... Mm-hmm. a nice easy way of getting him to move over to go around that barrel because you can put your leg in him and he's like oh wow and he's going to move over <laughs> real easy on you right. instead of one that's been spurred and, and trained right so creating the thoroughbred barrel racing association how did you get started doing that that's such a huge undertaking i never thought it was going to turn into what it's turned into i mean we have members in canada we have members in mexico california um pretty much I want to say probably right now we've branched out to 10 states and it's, it's definitely, it's definitely an undertaking. It's, it's hard to get everybody together and, and we can't really do a finals yet because it's not taken off as big as what we would have liked to have have done here in the first two years. But we're finding out that more and more people are super excited about it. They, they've owned thoroughbreds or they're considering getting thoroughbreds because of course they saw the retired racehorse project last year in Kentucky and said, Oh wow, we watched that. We watched Nicole Valerie and Nicole Camuso ride some really nice thoroughbreds and barrel race on them. You know, we want to do that. And it's really broadened. It was seeing, was seeing it happening and seeing a thoroughbred actually able to sit down and raid around the barrel and, and come out of a barrel and, and uh, be trained, you know, for barrel racing. That is so cool. Um, how, how many? They, I was going to ask. How are they time wise compared to the quarter horse? Uh, you know. I'm, how are they? What I'm sorry. Time wise, uh, you know, what's uh, on their well, finish time? Well, well, I've got. I mean, like I said, uh, the young lady that that won it last year in the barrel racing, she's actually she's actually right up there with the first and second division runners. And then you have others. You know, part of the reason why we did this is because we've got people that are maybe riding third division and fourth division horses, which are about a second, second and a half off and, and they're placing in second and third division. But what I try to tell people is maybe you aren't going out to run national finals rodeo, or you're not going to go be a part of the national barrel horse association, but you just want to run your local shows and rodeos and uh, you know, you don't want to go out and spend that 2,500, $3,000 on that quarter horse. And there's so many horses that are at the track 
that are needing to find homes that may not make it as a jumper or an eventer or, or a dressage horse that you can take and start as a barrel horse and, and be competitive in the third and fourth division or the second division. So it's it, something they'll turn and burn, huh? Yeah, exactly. That may not, that may not make it as, as a beautiful jump horse, but it'll sit down there and turn a barrel nice and, and be competitive for maybe that person that doesn't have the aspirations to become a, you know, national barrel horse champion, but that mm-hmm. want to go out and just ride and barrel race and have fun. That's so cool. How many people do you have kind of an approximate, how many people are in the uh, association? Right now, the Thoroughbred Barrel Racing Association, we only have, well, and this is 2016. So coming into 2016, we only have about 35 members. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're hoping to increase that. It's hard because it, it's hard to get out there and tell everybody, you know, here we are, we're a fledgling association, you know, come join us. And basically what they do is they ride at their local shows or rodeos. They have a right. form that they have to fill out and, you know, say they won that class. We need to know how many, how many horses were running in that class. What did you place? What's so the name of that? So kind of like a thoroughbred incentive program. Exactly. 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 Kind of like TIP does. Um, And it's basically an incentive to get them going. And we're starting to see we've got two shows this year that actually are going to put the Thoroughbred Barrel Racing Association logo to their show. uh, One here in Ohio. And um, I'm working with a lady in Virginia to do another one so that we can start getting it out there and saying, hey, you know, come come ride a Thoroughbred and go to this horse show and your points and your placings will go towards the year end awards that we have. So. That is stellar. I know I've had a lot of, I've just gone to a lot of jumper shows where people, you know, registered as part of the tip and they win ribbons because, you know, there's not quite a lot of them yet. Um, but it really is a fun incentive to get the thoroughbred out there and trying new and different things. Um, and, you know, just another way to kind of recycle their career. Um, oh, exactly. Where, exactly. where are you located and where can people learn more? Um, they can basically go to, um, we're on Facebook under the Thoroughbred Barrel Racing Association. And we also, we have a webpage um, that's the Thoroughbred Barrel Racing Association. We've just had to redo it, um, unfortunately, because of the wonderful world of, of what do we want to say? <laughs> somebody somebody hacking into it. Uh, but it you can actually look it up on Facebook. Um, or you can you can uh, email uh, the Thoroughbred Barrel Racing Association. Um, it is tbrottb at gmail.com and we'll post uh we'll post those in our show notes as well okay, and i also great, want to give great. a little love to the retired racehorse project it's coming up this year uh will be october 27th through the 30th at the kentucky horse park it's retired racehorseproject.org and they're looking actually right now is the uh sign-up time and they're looking for 500 trainers there'll be a hundred thousand dollars in prizes we've covered this actually since Stuart started it when it was 10 horses at his farm so We've been talking to him ever since. He's going to be, uh, Stuart's actually going to be on the Horses in the Morning show coming up in the next week, I think. So we'll be talking to him more about the Retired Racehorse Project. And uh, if you want to do some barrel racing there, uh, sounds like uh, is something that's definitely an option. Yes, yes. The Thoroughbred Barrel Racers are going, the Thoroughbred Barrel Racing Association is going to be a part of it. Um, And right now they have the entries open for the trainers. They're open until January 31st. So what you're going to do is you're going to go in and apply as a trainer and then find your horse and come compete in October. I'd love to see, I'd love to see as many barrel racers as there are dressage riders this year. And you know what you could do now that we got thoroughbreds doing this, you could put a small jump in between each lawn. 
So you're doing <laughs> yeah, the jump maybe the I turn. Maybe I should do that for the freestyle oh. portion. Did, yeah. It sounds like it would yeah. fit, you know? It would be great. Just put a jump in each line, and you've got a jump, a turn, a jump, a turn. You're, it's perfect. Well, exactly. We can we can make that some kind of our, a part of our freestyle because what we're going to do this year, because uh, you know everybody thinks that a barrel racer goes out and yeehaws and spurs and whips and kicks and there isn't any training involved. So what we want to do this year, uh, I'm working with Stuart and the girls to come up with a freestyle competition where you're going to go in and do a freestyle and you're going to show how you train that horse and you're going to show the moves and the, and the different things that horse does and you're going to do kind of a slow barrel pattern to show how you bend, how you flex, how you rate before we actually have the barrel race so that the jumper people and the dressage people and everybody else can see that, hey, there is a little bit more into it than than going into that arena and pulling on that horse and, and kicking and spurring and whipping. So. You know, I'm a carriage driver. We even we uh, we have what we call derbies now, and it's it's basically barrel racing with carts. Um, you oh, know, there you go. Yeah, it's fast, and you know, you go as fast as you can through 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 the uh, course that's set up. But it's basically barrel racing with carts, um, and it's a lot of fun too. It, it really is. Well, thank you so much for being here with us. We really appreciate it, Laura. And we'll let you, I know you're riding right now. By the way, we want to acknowledge that because we love having <laughs> guests on that are riding. So you're riding right now, right? Yes, it's a little chilly in Ohio, though. I think we're, I think maybe this time we're at maybe 30 degrees. So it's about five degrees colder in the arena than it is outside, unfortunately, here. But we're right. up right on the lake, so. Well, we're thinking about you here in Ocala, okay? Um, we're, we're, well, oh, I'm sure you are. <laughs> I, I have no sympathy. Yeah, she's in Idaho. She's you're, she's even colder than you are. Yeah, so. yeah she's got a little bit more snow than I do. I, oh, yeah. I mean, sorry. I keep saying you're That's in okay. Idaho. Idaho, <laughs> Iowa, it's the same thing. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's close. Uh, all right. Started thanks, with Laura. an I. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me. Well, we, we're so excited here at the Horse Radio Network to have our first non-horse product-related sponsor join us. Yay! Uh, that, and the, uh, <clears throat> the audience, the listeners, should be very proud of that, too, because that means that this little network over here of horse people all talking about horses, uh, we have basically gotten the attention of sponsors outside our little world. And that means a lot, and it's thanks to our listeners that that's happened. And the company is Bed in, the bo- in a Box, Bed in a Box, and Jennifer and I have used their memory foam mattresses for years. We wouldn't sleep on anything else. We just bought a new one, as a matter of fact. We just love them to death. I had a chance to talk to the marketing director over there and talk a little bit about it. Uh, have you ever tried memory foam mattress? You know, I... My, my mother has one. I don't remember the brand, but I really have wanted one. Um, our bed kind of, we're college students, right? So we, we are lucky enough to have a queen, but it kind of sags in the middle. Yeah. And yeah, so, where you, you know, roll over and you both end up in the middle. <laughs> Tyson yeah. doesn't like to sleep hot. So it's my side and his side. And unfortunately, I kind of roll slowly. So I keep saying, when we graduate, we are going to buy a bed. And I'm really excited that now I know where to start. Well, take a listen to my interview and I think you're going to learn a lot about bed in a box. I'm looking forward to it. Well, hi everyone. Glenn the Geek here. And I got to tell you a little story. My wife and I, eight years ago, decided that we needed a new mattress. Ours was pretty old. So we, at that time, memory foam mattresses were just starting to come in to be a big thing. And we wanted ourselves a memory foam mattress. So I got on Google or or Yahoo or whatever it was back then. And we searched and we came up with this company called Bed in a Box. And the thing that caught my attention about Bed in a Box was the name, Bed in a Box. And I just thought that was fascinating. So we hopped on there and we ordered ourselves a queen size uh, foam mattress. We had never had one before. 
Well, eight years later, we just got a new one because we were so happy with the old one, and we put the old one now in the spare room, which I think was a mistake. We'll talk about that later. But we put the old one in the spare room, and we have this new one that we absolutely love. And I'm so excited to announce that Bed in a Box is our newest sponsor here for 2016 on the Horse Radio Network. And I have Brad from Bed in a Box with me. Hi, Brad. Hey, Glenn. How's it going? Good. Thank you, first of all, for eight great years of sleeping. I'm just oh, saying. hey, you're more than welcome for that. <laughs> I know that you probably hear that a lot, but we had never, we had always owned the traditional mattresses. You know, you go to Sears, you lay down, you lay on a couple of them, and you go, I want that one, right? Isn't that what most people do? Or they go to the mattress store or whatever. You know, most people do not order them in a great big box that come from uh, UPS or a delivery service. So, sure, yeah, yeah. Most yeah. people are. They go to the stores and they lay on a million different kinds, and then by the time you played on, you know, fifty different mattresses at ten different stores, they all feel exactly the same. Exactly, and then you end up buying the cheapest one. So that's, yep. that's what yep. happens. Well, we uh-huh. want we wanted to try this whole foam thing, which we had never done before, and you know, it was really starting to become big eight ten years ago when we when we looked at our first one, and we went mm-hmm. as I said in bed in a box uh, because one of your warranty you had back then. And your guarantee that you had back then. And then also the reviews were really good. So we ordered it. I got to tell you, we at, we will not, when we go to hotels now, we love getting home to get back to our foam mattresses because hotel mattresses just don't cut it. They are so comfortable. And the way your body just gets basically absorbed into the mattress, there's not the stress points. And for horse people who are always sore, who've always sore from riding or falling off or cleaning stalls, we're always being beat up. My wife's broken every bone in her body at least once. And these are just so comfortable and they take those problems away. Yeah, absolutely. It's, that's one of the best mem- benefits of memory foam is just the, the fact that it has that pressure relief, um, you know, because you really just get rid of that. You know, those aches and pains just kind of melt away. Um, you know, and, and the biggest thing is that you lay in one position, you fall asleep and you wake up in that position, then, you know, you've got a good restful sleep. You weren't tossing and turning all night. Exactly. Exactly. Now, bed in a box, how long ago did it start? We started in 2006, uh, sold the first mattress in 2007. And then kind of been rolling along ever since. So we bought, and one it's of all the first been online. <laughs> Actually, yep, you could very, <laughs> you very well could have. <laughs> so, uh, and you know, as I said, we've been thrilled with it. It's still going strong. It's in the spare room now for our guests to sleep on. One of the things I really liked, and and you know, it's risky buying a mattress that you haven't laid on right in the store, which you 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 don't get to do here. But you take that risk away with a couple of different things. Tell us about it. Sure. One of the first things that we have is the 120-day zero-risk trial. Basically, what that means is from the first day that you get the mattress up until 120 days later, you can lay on that every night, try it out, you know, whenever you want to and see, you know, is this the mattress for me? No pressure of, you know, well, I have to make this decision soon. Take your time. Make sure that it's the right mattress for you. We want you to be happy with it. And so if I don't like the mattress, I just call you up? Yeah, you just call us up and our customer service team is excellent at you know identifying any problems that you're having with it we try to work with you if there is something that we can do to maybe help you sleep a little more comfortable on it we certainly go to that link to do it if not then we take care of arranging the return process well, I got to tell you, too, uh, one of the things I recommend when you first get your first memory foam mattress uh, is to sleep on it for a week or two before you decide. When The first couple of nights are different because it conforms to your body much differently. 
Well, the other mattresses just don't. So the mm-hmm. fact that these do conform to your body and really don't give you the pressure points that the other mattresses do on your arms or your side or however you sleep, you, mm-hmm. you're, it's going to take you a couple of nights to get used to it. But then all of a sudden, you're going to be a week later and you're going to go, you're gonna, it's just going to dawn on you that I've been sleeping better. And mm-hmm. it's, am I right? Am I the only one that went through that process? No, there's a lot of customers that go through that exact same process. You know, there's when you've been laying on a mattress that hasn't been supporting you properly for a while, you kind of your body gets used to it, kind of adjusts to it. Well, when you go back to one that's supporting you properly, your body's being kind of forced to correct itself. And it kind of, you know, it doesn't want to do it for the first few days. You wake up a little, you know, with some aches and pains. But then, yeah, like I said, you'll, you'll all of a sudden wake up one day and you'll realize that, hey, my back's not sore or, you know, my my hips aren't sore anymore when I'm waking up. This is fantastic. I'll tell you, once you go back, once you st- once you do a memory foam mattress, you don't go back. That That is for sure. And when I talked to customer service all those years ago, when we first bought our first one, your customer service is excellent, by the way. When I talked Thank to you. Southern Hospitality, when I talked to them, <laughs> they, they, you know, they told me all these things. And they also helped us kind of pick out, because you have so many different models, they kind of helped us pick out a model that they thought we would like. And uh, they were so good about that. I really liked uh, our customer service experience, which when you're spending this much money and ordering it through the mail, you know, it, it's something you worry about. Yeah, absolutely. That is one of the biggest things that, you know, initially we had to overcome was, you know, someone spending this kind of money, they wanted to know that there was a company behind us that was going to be here for a while. Um, so, you know, we definitely wanted to make sure that all our customer care agents were trained and make sure that they understand that, you know, taking care of the customer is the top priority for us. We want you all to sleep happy. That's, that's absolutely priority for us. I got to tell you, if you guys have not tried a memory foam mattress and, and you're due to get a mattress or you just want to get a new mattress or what the heck, you don't need a new one, but you want a better night's sleep, then visit bedinabox.com. And the reason it's called Bed in a Box is this thing actually, your mattress will actually come in a box. And it you open up the box. It's kind of pressure packed because it is foam. It's kind of pressure packed. You open up the box and you take the plastic off and your mattress grows and and within an, what about an hour you can sleep on it yeah we tell people now that by the time you get done making the bed it's ready to go and the other thing it eliminates every married couple will know what i'm talking about and it's that extra arm one of the two of you no matter how you're laying has the extra arm you know exactly what i'm talking about well it eliminates that because your extra arm kind of sinks it has a place to go now without a pressure point. And so every married couple knows what I'm talking about with the extra arm. Okay, now you have a, several different choices on the website. What's the best way for people to figure out what's best for them? Uh, usually the first thing that we tell people is, you know, are you a back sleeper or a side sleeper? Um, if you're kind of in between, we, and we start from there. So if you're, a, if you're like a back sleeper, most people usually, if they sleep on their back, prefer a firmer mattress. So that's kind of the way we'll we'll go with it. If you're a side sleeper, you usually want something softer because your hips and your knees are going to kind of sink down into the foam a little bit more. So you need a little more cradling support. And I, what I recommend is just call them. Call them and talk to them about this, and they'll recommend one for you that will best fit your situation and your price point, too. Uh, both of those things. But uh, I can't recommend, my wife and I, Jennifer and I, cannot recommend it enough. Bedinabox.com. There's other memory foam companies out there, but I doubt there's any that have the customer support and really that have the, the 120 day zero risk trial, the 20 year warranty, uh, and the free shipping, you know, everything that goes along uh, with bedinabox.com. Thank you so 
so much, Brad. We appreciate you being on. And again, thanks for so many years of good sleeping. Well, for our Tack and Habit segment this week, we have a product that's not out yet, so you're going to hear about it uh, here before it comes out, but it's something that you'll be able to pre-order shortly. And, of course, I'm a geek. Uh, I've you know, been Glenda geek for 20 years now because I like anything techie, and especially horsey techie. And we have uh, Jeffrey Schaub here with us, who's the founder and CEO of Nightwatch. And it's Nightwatch. The product is Nightwatch 24. So, uh, first of all, hello, Jeff. Good afternoon. Thank you, Glenn. So good to have you on. Now, I I intentionally did not watch the video for this product. I found out about it. A couple of our listeners actually found out about it and said, you've got to have them on it. That, uh, we want to we wanna hear more from the company about this and exactly what it does. So, explain the product to us. Sure. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. So, the product, as you mentioned, is called Nightwatch. And it's in late-stage development. Our plans are to make this commercially available in the U.S. and Canada by mid-year this year, 2016. But broadly speaking, Nightwatch is the world's first smart halter. It's also offered in the form of a safety collar. So what that means is within the crown of the halter is technology that monitors the animal's vital signs as well as behavioral patterns. And when the system detects early signs of an acute distress event, for example, colic or being stall cast, the device is going to notify you or a caretaker for early intervention. And is that so in broad speaking terms, you can, um, there is an app available, but is not required. Think okay. of it like an ADP home system where you'll set up a profile for your horse and it says, if my animal's in distress, who do I contact? How do I contact them? And who's the rollover contact? We want oh. to make sure there's ultimately accountability through a closed loop functionality. So it could be through an app or they, you could text their phone or whatever they set up. Exactly. There is an app that will be available for smartphones as well as a web dashboard. So all the information that we're gathering, so your animal's vital signs, how many times they get up and down a day, how much time they spend lying down, how many times they roll, all that information will be available and transparent um, at the touch of a line on your phone or on the web. Huh. I didn't know. Where is the monitor? Is it, if we're taking a look at a halter, is it on the crown piece? Where, where is it at? Exactly. All the technology is embedded very non-invasively within the crown of the halter or the safety collar. And so we're talking approximately about one inch in diameter, about 10 millimeters in thickness, and it runs the entire span over the pole region of the horse right behind their ears. So it's fully enclosed in a very flexible um, enclosure that's waterproof and dustproof. So even though it's a very sophisticated product, it's designed to be in inclement weather, designed for the barn. Yeah, well, that was one of the listener questions is, you know, what happens if it's pouring down rain and my horse is out? Yeah, no, very, very common. And what's very important and unique about this product is it has a cellular chip as well as Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. So you do not need to be connected or even close proximity to your barn or yourself. This product will work in a horse van. 
those products will work in a very large pasture or field. As long as there's um, some level of cellular connectivity, the product will work. And so we anticipate that this product will be used on horses potentially 24-7 around the clock who are in fields that, yeah, you may experience very cold, extreme winters of Canada to very warm, humid environments of southern Florida. Now, the halter itself is a, a traditional leather halter, and it's, I, I saw that you're having them made by Friedman's, uh, Friedman's Harness, and they're a terrific company that make really, really quality stuff. Those of us in the driving world know them very well. Uh, so, you know, I have no problem with the quality of the halters. They're going to be really nice. And in the, in the fact that the technology is in the crown piece, if something would happen to that, you would, or somebody, or, or the horse breaks the halter in another part of it, you would just be able to take that crown off and put it on a replacement bottom part? Did I ask that right? <laughs> Yes, in theory, and you bring up a very excellent point, because one of the questions we have been um, faced with, and it's a very common question, which is, you know, I have apprehension leaving a halter on my horse yes, for an extended period of time. Yes, and a lot of people don't do that when they're turned out. Yeah. Absolutely. And again, I grew up with the horses. I've been showing horses for nearly 40 years. I'm a biomedical engineer. And so, first and foremost, the horse's safety is paramount to us. We would never design a product that would increase the level of uh, compromise to the horse. And so, as you can appreciate, this halter is all leather, which leather has a very uh, low break point versus nylon. We would never advocate putting our crown piece on a nylon halter. And we've also designed special breakaway features of the halter so that if the animal does get snagged, as these animals love to do, it will break away. And for those of you who have an iPhone, we're going to have something very similar to the Apple Care program called the Halter Care program, which in essence is like an insurance policy because we do not want people to be scared if these halters break. We want you to simply package it up, send it back to us, and we will replace that halter free of charge if you opt in for the Halter Care program. I did not know that there was. I did not know that if you put sensors on the top of the head like that, you could get that information. That was kind of surprising to me. But I'm not a veterinarian, so I. I uh, but I didn't realize that that could be a spot where you could put those sensors. Yeah, it's. Uh, it was a little bit of an unknown when we started on this journey almost three years ago. Um, wow. Unfortunately, we lost a horse who was only eight years young uh, to a very rare colic event in the middle of the night. And so Nightwatch is a labor of love. And the first thing we said was, you know, this is unacceptable. Candidly, those who know me have heard me say, I love horses and tolerate people, and I won't apologize for that. And so these horses are paramount. And we said we need to design something that is not going to change the operations of the barn. And so looking at the halter was the path of least resistance. And we're using a very sophisticated technology. And Glenn, I know you love the technology, so I'm going to geek you out for a okay, minute. Good, good, good. It's called ultra-wideband impulse radar. Oh, yeah. And so what we are doing is actually physically measuring the displacement of the, the microvasculature in the pole region as well as the soft tissue of the upper respiratory tract. So it's analogous to sonar in which we have a sampling rate of more than 100 times a second that's measuring the physical contraction and restrictions of that microvasculature and also changes in that soft tissue. And so the art is in the signal conditioning and processing, which allows us to get this. 
So you don't have any exposed contacts, you don't have any exposed wires. It's a very different way to look at biometric function in these animals, unlike the historical way, which is electrical impedance. Oh, geez, you and I know horse people. They're going to be sitting there watching their screens all day, especially if they board their horse or if they, uh, you know, like us, we, when we put our horse out in the backfield at our farm, we have 11 acres and it's, it's very long and narrow, so I can't see them when they're in the back pasture. Uh, you know, we'll all be sitting there all day watching and seeing, is he moving around? Is he rolling? Is he? We're going to be doing that all day. I would be guilty. It's just going to be such a time sucker, right? (laughs) (laughs) We're all that way. It'd be like a new toy. It is. It's going to be a new toy. Now, will I be able to in the morning go to my my profile and my horse's profile and see? Okay, has he slept a lot last night? Will it track that kind of stuff? We do not track um, things such as sleep patterns. We are collecting, as you can appreciate, a lot of data. I'm sorry? It was sort of track activity. If they're running around, their, their pressures, you know, the, the numbers are going to go up. So uh, it'll track yes, whether we they are... have a lazy night or an active night. It, exactly. Yeah. I mean, we are tracking a lot of information, but what we're reporting back to the user based upon our market research were the three most important surrogates for distress. As you can appreciate, there's a lot of technology out there that report on things such as how many steps the animal yeah. walked, how many calories they burned. That's solving a different problem. We've been very true to our value prop from day one, which is we want earlier intervention for acute distress. And the three surrogate behavior metrics when we've done the market research are reporting on the number of times my animal has gotten up and down, how many times they've rolled, and how much time they've spent and what's very important is we're using some very sophisticated adaptive learning algorithms that are constantly learning your animal's norm. So the longer your animal wears this device, it learns what good looks like for that animal. I can imagine you get a lot of interest from veterinarian clinics or maybe research clinics or things like that, right? We do. We um, were at AAEP meeting in Las Vegas last month, and it was our first exposure to the professional community. And I'm not embellishing when I say that our booth was never silent over those three days. I bet. We um, you know, have been working in collaboration with Haggard in Lexington, Kentucky, to give us political guidance on the development process. And so we've always had the vet community at the forefront of our um, priorities. Now, I do have a question. This came from one of the listeners when we were just, we, we have a private listeners room. And uh, when, when I put in there that we were going to be talking to you guys, they did have some questions. So one of them was, and our horses do this too. I have a hackney pony. And if you know, you know about hackneys because you were kind of, uh, you've seen I them do. in the driving world. They're naughty little devils, basically. And he is mm-hmm. playing lip tag with everybody he can get a hold of. And one of the questions was if they're playing lip tag and somebody bites down, down on the top of that halter where the sensors are, how tough is it, was the question. You know, it's a great question. Um, the real answer is I don't know, quote-unquote, how tough it is, but we have designed the enclosure to be, as I previously mentioned, water and dustproof, but also shatter resilient. It's a flexible polyethylene pod with material very similar that's used in hockey helmets that a lot of the juveniles wear. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to absorb some level of shock, um, but again, like every new product, it's perfectly imperfect. If you could dream of a possible scenario, 
I am sure at some point it's going to happen. Yeah, uh, yeah, and especially with horses. <laughs> so uh, now yeah. the, you have two. But one, one thing that yeah. one thing that triggers the past questions, which is, you know, I love to turn off my horses, but they love to play with each other's halters and collars. Next thing I know, my halter and collar is in a large pasture. What do I do? And an important feature of Night Watch is the GPS location. So besides knowing where your animal is at all time, if your halter or call does slip off in a large field, you'll simply go to your smartphone, you'll put in the location, you'll physically walk to and retrieve that device. I think you need to make attachments for fly masks. And horseshoes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and horseshoes. How many of us have we do have a very horseshoes? <laughs> I know. <laughs> this is very cool. Now, do we have an idea on the price? We do. We are going to be offering a special introductory price that starts at five hundred dollars per device, okay. and that'll be during this introductory phase in the first quarter. And there'll be more information released very soon on that. Um, and then once we are fully commercially available, which is more late summer, um, that price will be increasing. And are there now, in addition sizes? to the acquisition? Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, so yes, there will be uh, three different size halters, okay. and there'll be four different size collars available at launch. Um, but in addition to that $500, what's important to remember is that you know this is a device that doesn't need constant monitoring by you. That's where we alleviate that stress. So in addition to purchasing the halter or safety collar, you will be um, required to sign up for a monitoring service, which is an annual contract, which is equivalent to just about a dollar a day, just under a dollar a day, or $28.99 a month. Well, I, I think it's neat. Uh, what do people do if they want to become, uh, you know, they, if they want to be notified when it's available to order? Absolutely. You can go to our website, and that's nightwatch24.com. And under the information section, you can simply fill out a form, and you'll be entered into our database to be notified when pre-orders are available. And as previously mentioned, that's going to be sometime this first quarter, and that will include a special discounted price that starts at $500. Well, that was interesting, Haley. Uh, you know, one of the things we forgot to ask him and we talked to him about uh, earlier was that the battery life, he said, if, the, if you use it every night, uh, in, der, overnight, let's say they're turned out or whatever, uh, it's five to seven days, or even in their stalls for that matter, uh, it's five to seven days, and then you actually have a wireless charger. You just set it on this cradle-like thing, and it charges in, in three to four hours. So, Which is like, you know, a trail ride. And then you asked a really good question off air, and that was, is it really heavy? And, you know, technology today is pretty light, but the batteries are what would be the heavy part. And he said he didn't, he said it's ounces. So it's Yeah, really it's a, like nothing. He said that's, yeah. it doesn't make a difference. Because batteries are where the heaviness always comes into your laptop and everything that you're using that needs charge. It's the batteries that are the heaviest part. You know, uh, transistors and things like that now, uh, little circuit boards uh, are so tiny anymore. So tiny. Anything. Yeah. Yeah. And I was pretty amazed. Ounces, that's nothing. Now, the price, we'll see. It's going to be interesting with the price the way it is because basically you're looking at, you know, $800 the first year between the cost of that and the, uh, of the halter and the monitoring. But you know what? Uh, we're crazy horse people. We'll spend that to make sure our horse is healthy. Well, you know, and if you have a horse that's in stall rest, you're probably paying about that much anyways for vet care. So maybe that'd be a, a really good way. If you have a horse that's prone to colic, 
yeah. know, that's prone to colic, then right. you're, you're not going to think just, twice. It's it's one vet. It's bill. just part of the yes. monitoring. Right. Yeah. So if you look at it that way, it's a it's a vet call, you know, and it, you, especially it, those high dollar horses. Yeah, I mean, exactly. You can't replace. I mean, the insurance only does so much. You that's know, right. I, I can see that being important in those areas for sure. Well, interesting. Interesting product. Nightwatch24.com. Technology comes to the horse world. The future of the horse industry. Yeah, smart guy. Well, thank you, Haley. You were terrific. Yeah, Yay. it's so fun. I you love doing this. So uh, you'll hear more of Haley. She's lined up to, to do more, uh, more work as an intern with us this year. And if, I Ooh. hope all the interns are as good as you. Oh, I do too. Because it's really hard. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Everyone will be great. If you love the show, you'll be great. And if you so. want to, uh, if you want to intern, if it's something that you think you want to do, you're in college like Haley, or uh, we ask that you be 18 years old. And uh, you know what we start you off with actually is is doing the producing job for a show. So you say, I want to produce the dressage radio show. You would book the guests for that night. Basically, the show is yours. And you book the guests, you get everything set up, and then we might throw you in the deep end and have you help interview your first guest. Right, Haley? Yeah, yeah. Well, and and bring bring your wings because you'll be flying by the seat of your pants. That's for sure. <laughs> and and uh, you did great. Look, it turned out to be our most listened to episode of the horses yeah, in the morning I, for the year. So I, that, I was really glad to hear that. It was it's really super cool. fun. Well, that's it for this week. We're going to be back next week with our big announcement here on the Staple Scoop Show. Mm-hmm. Helena will be back. And if you want to find Haley someplace, where do they find you? On Facebook, um, you can just look me up, Haley MacDonald Johnson, and I have an Instagram account and a Twitter, but I don't know. I get on Twitter occasionally. Um, it's at Mackleby. That's my childhood nickname. So on Instagram, it's at M-A-C-L-B-E-E, and I just Instagram my adventures. Um, and then Twitter is at Mackleby Joe. Uh, so M-A-C-L-B-E-E-J-O. Very good. Thank you very much, everybody. We'll talk to you again next week. Happy New Year. If you want to, uh, if you're not listening on our app, go get our free app, iOS or Android. Just search for Horse Radio Network. And of course, you can find all the past episodes of the Stable Scoop Radio Show at stablescoop.com. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next week. Happy New Year.